welcome to another episode of James Bond Friends. This week, James Bond has been busy appearing in three different trailers. In fact, we have more trailers now than a Florida retirement home. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, to discuss the US and international release trailers, we have David Lee, Bill Koenig, Henry Stevens, Ben Williams, Sean Longmore, said it right again, two, two weeks ago, Phil Nabil Jr. and Dr. Lisa Funnel going last. <laughs> Would you like to introduce yourself, guys? Uh, this is David. David Lee here. It's probably the last episode that I'll be invited on because I'm wearing a Star Wars sh- uh, t-shirt at the moment. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> but no idea what that yeah, is. Not, not <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it was a gift, and I'm soothing my tonsils with um, a bottle of Barcelona's finest beer. Uh, hi, I'm Bill Koenig. I run a blog called The Spy Command. Go for Henry. All right. Um, I'm Henry. I am a little guy on YouTube who just has a YouTube channel called The Bond Geek, just started this year, and really, really excited to be on here. Oh, it's me, isn't it? Oh, uh, hello, everybody. Uh, this is Ben Williams. Uh, I am a regular contributor to MI6 Confidential Magazine and the website mi6hq.com. Hi guys, I'm Sean Longmore. Uh, I'm a graphic designer. I sometimes do Bond things and other things and just slave away on Photoshop all day. <laughs> the dream. <laughs> uh, this is Phil Nobile Jr., editor of Fangoria Magazine. I'm, I'm sitting at home waiting for DHL to deliver my Bollinger and my Danner boots and my Land Rover and my Safine mask from Factory Entertainment. <laughs> Shop uh, I'm... I'm Dr. Lisa Funnel. I'm a university professor, award-winning author, and podcaster who specializes in gender in James Bond and other action films. Fantastic. So um, we had a little surprise this week with the drop of not one trailer, but two trailers. And um, for those keeping score, there was actually a, a different trailer, which we never got to see, right? Way back when, what was that, two years ago? So who knows if these are bits of those that mm. they recycled. Who wants to do a, uh, their takes first on... Did the trailer hit the marks you expected? Was there anything in there substantially new? Um, did it reinvigorate your interest in this film after six months mm. of Yes, yes, no, maybe, and yes. Thanks for joining us yeah. this week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, my answer's the same, but in a different order. Yes. <laughs> Sounds like you volunteered to go first, Phil, with your thoughts. Well, let's, I, I want us all to talk about the the recap, which was surprising, and and which right. you you're watching it, and it's and it's you know it almost looks like a trailer for Casino Royale, which is probably why there's a no time to die graphic bug in the corner of the screen at the beginning to reassure you that you didn't click on the wrong thing on YouTube. It's <laughs> this is this is the new trailer for No Time to Die, but the the recap and and the choices made to include and not include stuff in the Daniel Craig recap, I think were significant. We talked about them offline privately uh, and on, on, on Twitter and, and whatnot, but uh, I'm curious about the process. First of all, why do you think they needed to start with a reset, a recap? They're trying to, it's a new tactic, right? They're not getting into the retirement plot so much. They're, they're letting you know this is the end of a 15 year journey, um, but they're pretty, their memory was selective, I would say. Right. Well, I think I think the, the the thing you've got to frame this in is that trailer was designed for a, for a general U.S. audience, not the fans, mm. right? Because they've already got the fans' money either way. Yep. Um, so it's more of a previously on James Bond. So I, I, I I'll I'll say this: I 
as I've mentioned many times on this podcast, I used to write trailers for a living. Um, and you get, you know, a, a particular brief to, um, you know, given to you by the studio to, to write a particular kind of narrative for the trailers. Um, and it's kind of clear that there are two very distinct briefs that have been put out for this. Um, and I'm fairly certain, I don't know whether Eon do these in-house or not, but most of these no. things are, you know, shipped off to somebody else. Um, and so they will have given, they will, they will have given them a brief and they will have come back with, you know, one or two different, you know, probably about 20 different iterations of like what they might want to go with and they'll narrow that down. But what's, what I'm coming to is basically that the, the American audience is definitely getting a, as James said, a previously on James Bond kind of thing. They're not looking at the narrative so much as they are trying to remind people why they should be invested in this. Um, and I will say this also about when you do trailers, um, sometimes in the brief it will be, you, you are either writing a kind of a voiceover uh, for say voiceover guy, you know, like in a world. Um, but when you just go for title cards, which they kind of done on this, um, it's a, it's not, a, not necessarily a cheap way of doing, it, but it is definitely like a kind of the lower end of the market trailer to kind of just throw in some cards. Like all of this is leading <clears throat> to this. Right. Um, so it's, you know, it's clear to me that this isn't, this isn't a trailer that they've spent as much time or money well, on necessarily. Ben, real quick though, the trailer voice guy has been sort of out of fashion for at least a decade now, I would say, right? Maybe, maybe more. Yeah, that's true. And, um, you know, I mean, it depends on what the release is and what your brief is. Um, but you will also be briefed about dialogue in, you know, when you get the movie and, or you can be selective about what you can pull out. Uh, the other thing too, is they tend to do things like, this is, let's say that I got the brief for this and they would be like, uh, we want to focus only on this character because um, he's, you know, and obviously for something like James Bond, it's going to be, um, you know, the, the hero or the villain. Mm -hmm. You're not going to necessarily focus on Q, but I have done um, trailers where they've said, look, this, this guy, <laughs> this guy's got top billing, even though he's not a big character in it. You know, he's the biggest star in this. So, you know, or the biggest name in this. So we want to focus on this actor in the trailer and make it seem like it's about this guy rather than you know who sure. it actually is about so uh, yeah there's just lots of different different techniques and it just uh, whilst you know the question that james sort of said was like did it did it strike as being successful to you um i think certainly the the international one did for me like had had more going for it i think this kind of uh looking back and resetting the um you know, the narrative, so to speak, of, of the previous bonds, it felt a little bit like you said, uh, Bill, you know, like, am I watching the right thing? And I recently, I watched Calvin's uh, YouTube response to it. And, and that was pretty much his, you know, his facial reaction was pretty much like, what am I watching? Yeah. Have I clicked on the right thing? And it looks, and I hate to say this, in my opinion, looks a little bit fan made. Yeah, when, well, that's the challenge when there's a new Bond film in production. The fans come out and make trailers <laughs> with clips from previous films, right? Yeah. That's... Um, can I point something out? Because I actually rewatched the US trailer just before we went on because I got on early and I was just killing some time before we started recording. 
There was one shot, it was in the U.S. trailer, I don't know if it's in the international trailer, that actually struck me as uh, Nolan-esque. It was like Bond's inside the lair, the camera pans up toward the ceiling, and there's like light coming from above. And that reminded me of the, you know, the Dark Knight Returns when uh, yeah. Bruce Wayne was like captured inside that prison thing, whatever it was. And the whole idea was you had to climb up, you know, to get out somehow, but it was incredibly difficult. Again, it was just a, yeah, I don't know if that's a strict coincidence, um, but, but that cried out Nolan to me. And there were a couple of, glimpses of things we got to see we had not seen in previous trailers like we saw the um we saw bond and madeline inside the aston as it's being shot at and that thing about okay um there was that and um we saw that you know that hybrid Mm -hmm. aircraft submarine thing yeah uh go into i guess it's going into the lair but you know it's yeah, I mean, well, I, I mean, there were there were there were more bits of new stuff than I was expecting, I guess. Yeah, I mean, to your point, Bill, about that shot, the last the the last two tracks in the soundtrack are "Opening the Doors" and "Final Ascent." Right. Uh, which which I had which I had a a fear about that title "Ascent" because uh, that was actually making me think that Bond might get killed off. You know, ascent, ascension. You know, um, he's going to hell. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I doubt that's going to happen. <laughs> can, can I go back briefly? Sorry to interrupt. Can I go back briefly Please. to talking about that opening section, that sort of recap section, and talking about yeah. the um, title Ooh. cards in particular? Um, because they struck me as particularly interesting. I think there's a little bit more going off there than kind of initially seems. Um particularly with the text that they've used. They're doing a sort of recap, and um, the first bit of text they sort of give you is, in the beginning, he became 007. I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if there's kind of a sort of um, conscious effort there to try and almost remind the general audience that 007 is a role and is a title and is something that sits separately mm-hmm. to James Bond, the character himself. Yeah, and I wonder if, if I can say spoilers, I'll try Ooh. not to say too much or potential spoilers. Um, if you're listening, close your ears for a second. But uh, maybe that's kind of a sort of... <laughs> way to subconsciously prepare the audience for the idea that someone else might be taking on the mantle of 007. It's a good thing we're not live, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think that's a really, really interesting point, Sean. And and obviously it comes from a graphic designer who's, (laughs) you know, who's looking at, you know, and I, my, my response was like title cards and yours was like, "Mm, what are they saying? (laughs) Um, so yeah, I think I think that's a fairly uh, that's a fairly good point, and um, one that um, you know maybe is a bit more kind of psychological than we initially thought of. Yeah. Can I add anybody, to this? Any, go ahead. Sorry. So I was just going to say this before we jump in. Is like, is anybody after we watch the film going to go back to the trailers and go like, "Ha ha, they were teasing us about this thing." Like, <laughs> oh, I'm sure. No. Yeah. I don't think so. I will. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sorry, Lisa. I was just going to say that when I watched the U.S. trailer, and I think that it's very interesting that this is the one that is being marketed towards American audiences. I, I When I saw it, it was more the music and the way that it was structured. All I thought about was Marvel. 
it sounds like the soundtrack for a Marvel movie. It is it is going back to the notion of an origin story and 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 taking us back from the beginning and pushing us forward. And this concept of origin story, it's really big in comic book culture, and it's something mm-hmm. that Marvel has done really well, connecting their films um, and and creating this linear narrative where everything builds from each other. And I feel as though this is targeting U.S. audiences that are very accustomed to the Marvel style of you know, shows on Disney plus and, and everything connecting and giving us this, this basic narrative and then trying to push us and move us forward with the rest of, of the trailer. Like, this is where he was. And now that we've reminded you, this is where we're going to continue and, and move along. So for me, I just read this and I heard Marvel in my mind based on, on the music. And I actually found this trailer to be boring from an action standpoint. I'm an action person. I want to see a montage of action and what's going to happen. And there really, for me, was not this buildup. Like, it wasn't a crescendo of, like, I'm going to give you narrative, 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 and then boom, 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 boom. This is what mm. you can expect in, in the Bond film. That's sort of the style of trailer that I like, where at the end, like, my pulse is racing and I'm like, I am ready for this film. Bring it on. Like, the gradual build, I didn't think with this particular trailer didn't happen because I feel as though they were mobilizing or utilizing a different type of model for this particular audience. That's not necessarily my critique or comments on the international trailer, which I think was just, it was more broadly focused in on what the film, what some of the aspects that you'll see in the film, things have been left out of that one. Um, But I just felt like this one was just overarchingly oozing a Marvel aesthetic. You know, I didn't even think about that. I now I kind of want to go back and look at the trailer for Avengers Endgame and see how that compares to the U.S. trailer for No Time to Die. Oh, yeah, in totally. terms of, I agree on that very much. So when I when I first saw the American, um, you know, the American trailer for No Time to Die, my brain instantly went to that Avengers Endgame trailer. It was all black and white with some of the colors popping out, you know, showing the journey it's mm-hmm. gone up to this point. Yep. Mm. So I really got like this is. In my mind, this the American trailer was showing to like the American ones, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Avengers Endgame of James Bond movies. Oh, this is the it. big one when it's right. all coming. And you know what? I mean, for me, just that the whole sort of, you know, previous looking back on everything, it actually just reminded me of saying that was such a good moment. That was such a good moment. It winner for me, it built up hype, just like hype and hype ready for the new no time to die. And it I'm mean, I'm happy to say this at work. So everyone knows at my work. If something James Bond comes out, just leave me alone for 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Let me have my Bondian moment. It's just a rule at work. So when they, some people were on Twitter saying there's new Bond trailers, Henry was like already in his headphones, just leave me for 10 minutes. (laughs) Um, It's it's an unspoken rule at work. And literally, I know some, uh, I've got a friend who's come to see No Time to Die with me when it comes out in the UK. And he, who's not really much of a sort of, you know, he doesn't follow the films like, say, uh, you know, we all do. He found it actually really useful because it gave him a lot of, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, there was Casino, then there was Quantum and Skyfall and, and uh, Spectre and stuff. Oh, yes, and it's building up to this. This film, I think, because I think originally they had in mind, and I'll never know this for sure, that Spectre was going to be the big finale to everything, but I didn't think it panned out as well as they hoped. Um, this one, they're very much marking, this is the big finale, and they're building up with that idea in mind. I think both trailers, this is the big finale to the Craig era. Mm. So I think it just, for me, the American trailer I thought was actually better than the international trailer because it really built up that this is going to be a massive event. Hmm. I have a theory about why they didn't do it in the UK. It's because if you're in the UK, you are so indoctrinated with Bond every week in the TV guides 
mm-hmm. and everywhere that you don't need reminding that it was Casino Quantum mm-hmm. Spectre in that order, right? But for US audiences, I think they definitely needed that little guiding hand. Mm. Like you may have not even seen all of these, right? Mm. Um, so yeah, it was more a case of educating the audience. Whereas I think the international trailer was basically, let's be honest, it was the UK trailer. Well, I don't know if they would have thought it through this to this extent, but like you had a big high with Skyfall in, in the U.S., and then you had a significant fall off, not a drastic one, but you know, significant fall off with Spectre. So the idea that uh, U.S. audiences have not followed you know, the Craig Bond through all four adventures as solidly as, as you know, U.K. audiences, I think that has some merit. I don't know about you guys, but another thing for me that I I really liked was I thought the American trailer set up more like questions for you to think about going into the movie. Um, the international one, I don't know about you guys, but for me it was like it was showing like this is going to be like an amazing movie, but like the American one set up like little lines that the international one didn't have put in, like maybe start, okay, what does that mean? What does that mean? What is, you know, oh, that's a bit of a revelation or something. Does anyone else pick up on that? So generating kind of more intrigue, you mean? Um, oh, the best advertising yeah, like, always um, leaves questions, right? Yeah, it's like you know when you know that's you know, we've learned we've seen from all the trailers like Safin's obviously saying James Bond, you know MI6 license card. I was speaking to my own reflection, you know. <laughs> they, they added in those, that little extra line. I want to say it here just in case someone hasn't seen it. Um, but that little there was a slight little revelation he added to that line, which like oh that that could be interesting. Story, What's that yeah. about? That could be interesting. <clears throat> They also they also teased a bit more about Safin's plot. Uh, what was it? The line about the people become the weapon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, spoken by Bond. Is that me, or that's just utterly frightening? Just to think about. I, I mean, I mean, it's not Angels of Death. The, it's a throwback. It's not the first time that it's happened um, in in Bond, or or indeed in in a lot of. Um, uh, you know, action action movies. I mean, uh, you know, the idea of a targeted um, biological weapon has been knocking around for some time. Yeah. Um, in in various different media. Um, so I don't think that this is particularly anything new. Um, but it is perhaps, you know, somewhat prescient and um, somewhat kind of, you know, it, it's, it's it, like well. A, can we? Is it fair to say this might be the only Craig film that has that global stakes. threat plot? I, the I think they are. Yeah, I mean that, that's the only time we've ever really had. It, yeah. Prior to prior to these trailers, you had Nomi saying he'll kill millions, so mm-hmm. that indicated big stakes, but mm-hmm. it was still pretty vague. This put a little more detail without going into a lot of detail, but uh, yeah, yeah. What what? <clears throat> Oh, excuse me. Um, one thing that I, I'd just like to talk about is that um, there's one point, there's the point when Bond meets Felix in the bar and uh, Felix is uh, talking about, you know, it's hard to tell the heroes and villains anymore. And that actually comes right out, right from Casino Royale, the book. And, and the film. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and the film, <laughs> yes, because it, Mathis gave pretty much the same yep. speech mm-hmm. already. Yes. Yep. And which... Uh, which he did in the book, and uh, so th- this this is this is going back to that. Um, so that, that that was just one thing that kind of popped out at me, which I, I thought was interesting. Um, I'll give you my theory on this, David. That mm-hmm. when Purvis and Wade were pulled back in after Danny Boyle left, 
I think they knew this was their last go, mm. mm-hmm. right? So I think they went through the notebooks of all the Fleming stuff they've always ever wanted to wedge in. <laughs> mm. And here it is, right? Including yeah. the bullet on the left side of Safin, right? Mm. In the trailer. Right. And other little nuggets. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is like the most Fleming tidbit riddled movie since Ooh, like for Arizona. That's exciting. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think I think you're right. And I I actually feel like probably i mean you know next to next to say casino royale um this feels like the most fleming of all of um you know mm. craig's bonds um and you know you get you get a lot of different tonal shifts in things like a lot of people sort of think that fleming equals kind of dark and gritty but um it's also kind of big scale and flamboyant yeah, as well wish. and i think yeah, outlandish, and I think that, that from from the, judging from these trailers um, and the trailers that have gone beforehand, I think it's going to straddle that line nicely between, you know, kind of uh, what what Fleming was so good at is kind of making the outlandish seem somehow realistic. Possible. Yep. Yeah, and I think that that's what we've we, we're probably going to be seeing with this. This is this is the reason that I'm excited about the film. And is it something something else um, that uh, I, I kind of it just just an observation? And obviously, we'll see, have to see how it how it, uh, it appears in the film. But uh, it's at one point they were after uh, Denis Villeneuve to direct, and uh, I think w- when that fell through, I think they just decided to borrow a set from Blade Runner uh, twenty forty nine because uh, there's there's that. Um, it, there's a, a set. I think it's, it's lit mainly in blue with these kind of, um, I don't know, huge test tube like things with mm, something in them, and that, that 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 very very much reminds me of Blade Runner, which uh, mm. I thought was curious. And something something my my wife uh, pointed out that uh, I think it's in the it's in the international trailer, yeah. And that there's one point when M say, says. Come on, Bond. Where are you? And then uh, Paloma says, "You're late." And uh, we, she was just wondering whether uh, mm-hmm. that was deliberate because of the delays to the film. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and also, and also, Q's line: "Can I just have a quiet night before the world goes to hell?" Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Line yeah. Is. I think there's a lot of this wink at the audience. Like, yeah. To go to go back to the uh, the Madeline Swan line that that was being mentioned before. What was it? Oh God. Oh, where, where he goes in love with Madeline Swan, that felt very patched together. So I have no idea if that's actually how that's going to unfold in the in the actual film. You know, Ben and I were talking about earlier how the the trailer speak narrator guy has gone out of fashion. But what that's led to is a weird sort of like kind of trailer speak and screenwriting. Where and the Craig era is particularly guilty of it of just lines that will sound cool in a trailer that don't tend to work in the actual film. Mm. Um, and so sometimes that tail wags the dog in terms of like, there's lines that they know they're going to want to wedge into a trailer that might play out differently in the actual, uh, motion picture. Mm. But that Safin reading felt very stitched together to me. Yeah. So mm. I have no idea. And it, it's telling that he, it was done with other clips and not his, you know, not his face saying, yeah. you know what yep, I mean? Yep, like yep. almost Peter Hunter-esque. I will cut away from the guy <laughs> speaking. <laughs> You know what I actually say, following on, you know, you, you're talking about obviously Saffron there. I don't know about you, you all, but in general, you know, like every trailer we've got right from the very first one to this one, I think the trailers have been superb for No Time to Die, like across the board. 
like really high quality traders. Mm. I've what I've loved about maybe for me just a little personal thing for me guys. I know, you know I know a lot of time first meet you guys. For me, a film like a Bond film is only as good as its villain. You need like mm. you know a great villain for Bond to always go up against. That makes your film even better. You almost slightly sort of root for the bad guy a bit in a weird way. Mm. You know. No, I agree. Um, they have so built up Safin in every single trailer, I think. I really think they might be thinking we've got something really special here with a Bond villain. Mm. Mm. You know, that's the hope. But at the same time, this is the same crew that kind of dropped the ball on on having Christoph Waltz nail Blofeld. Mm. Like, that was such a no-brainer. Like, it sh- there's no reason for that to have not been fantastic. Uh, mm. And yet... <laughs> um, mm. But, but the, uh, the, other, uh, the other end of it, there's... It's whether or not you buy into the Rami Malek of it all. And I think he got an Oscar that he probably shouldn't have gotten. And, um, and I, I'm, not, I'm not really on the Rami Malek train, so I hope I'm wrong. But I, I'm not as awestruck by him as, as I think this movie wants me to be. There was one other thing in this last batch of trailers. In the previous trailers, you see Rami Malek laying on the snow. And then in this trailer, he goes, he, he draws a breath or something. Right. It, it it extended it by you know that scene by you know a second or two, mm. and I assume that was done for, I assume that was done intentionally. Mm. Um, sorry, that just came to me while you guys were talking about this. I just, well, I, as I opposed mean, to unintentionally, you know, like the editor was just whoops, like taking oops. taking a sip of tea. Oh yeah, that, right. He did it by mistake, and then his boss said, "Oh, let it go." It's he was okay. he was taking a sip of of Henry's tea. If we fix it, it we'll we'll go into overtime, and this movie is costing a ridiculous amount of money anyway. Speaking of costing a ridiculous amount of money, the the trailer two, as it was dubbed, um, which came out a year ago today, I think. Wow. um, Cost, I think we were told, like a million quid to cut. (laughs) So, to your point earlier, guys, about they've used cheaper techniques on these ones, that might be something to do with it. Yeah. And the fact that they did two. I think it's to say, you know, your article, you know, article about, you know, how, you know, you guys worked out like this film basically probably needs to make about 930 something, you know, to break Mm -hmm. even, Mm -hmm. which honestly, you know, I was so into, I think at this point, like they really are literally just having to do scraps, you know, what they got in the budget and they just have to release it now. Mm. And they really need to build up the hype, and they think this is the best way to do it. So here's something I, I'd like to, I, you know, we're just still on about Safin a bit, and I don't mean to bring up this can of worms, so to speak. Mm. Obviously, you know, we were just talking about, you know, it was obvious that Christoph Waltz was spec, um, sorry, Blofeld, right? Mm. Like, right from the beginning, everybody. I know there's been that theory going around that, you know, um, Rami Mount might be a new version of Doctor No. Mm. Um, me personally, I don't think he is. I think they've just borrowed elements from the book version and incorporated into Safin a bit with Shatterhand as well. Right. Mm. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting. I have um, my my other half. She's she's not really a Bond fan per se. She you know she knows I love it. She's watched, but she recently watched Doctor No with me, and she saw the trailer and she said that's very similar. That is like even she as a non Bond fan thought that's actually quite eerily. Mm. Are they just redoing it? Because I and I said, did you find that this trailer really emphasized? That this person's Doctor No goes. I felt. I honestly, she said she felt it a bit as well. Um, did anyone? I, I, did anyone else sort of feel that? I, well, uh, Doctor, well, Doctor No mask. Yeah, he's his, got. He's got a no yeah. mask on. He's been shot in what would be the heart, and wakes up. Uh, also, a, his. I'm sorry. Go I was ahead. Just ben, say, that's a literary. That's part of the literary. Yeah, uh, Doctor right, No. Yeah. 
I was about to say, historically, historically, the franchise says we never remake things. Hmm. No, but they do go back and use yeah. things they skipped over. Yeah, if we, if we find um, out in the production notes that, that Safin went to medical school in Michigan, then we know we've got it right. <laughs> right, and, 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 and for example, um, Die Another Day, the first half, like, recycled elements from the Moonraker novel, um, you know, and, and various examples like that. Well, and with Spectre, originally, they were like, you know, one of the scripts, you know, it's not the final script, they had Irma Bunt in there, and and mm-hmm. and in the last line of the script, you know, that was done, you know, a week before filming began, you know, the last line was Bond saying, "We have all the time in the world." Mm-hmm. So they, you know, they they do go back, and so you can say, well, they don't do full remakes of Bond adventures, but they definitely go back. Oh, and in Skyfall, uh, M is like writing Bond's obituary, yeah. except they, you know, substitute Turkey for Japan. And, you know, it's just a few seconds of screen time, but, you know, the hardcore Bond fans knew what was going I, I, on. This goes back to my hypothesis that Purpose and Wade have literally yeah. scraped yeah. together and everything the they can possibly fit into yeah. this when the Fleming bits. Yeah, they've, they've basically left the cupboard bare for whoever comes right. after them, right? Well, well, I'll te- well there's, there's one thing they haven't done yet, and that's Bond trying to kill M in uh, M's office right. with the, uh, that barrier that came down from the sea. That's how Bond 26 will start. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, be one hell of an amazing pre-title sequence. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm hoping that uh, Safin, Dr. No, is going to be uh, choked to death by rare fish uh, <laughs> that, that, that this toxin has been derived from. Or, or maybe Bond buries him under bird Yeah, we need that guano to Can I ask you guys a question while we're talking about uh, Robin Malik and Roommate's character? Um, Mm. This, this, these trailers in particular have got me thinking more than any of the others about um, the story of the film. And I think what you can usually do, especially when you get into trailers late like these days, you can kind of look at clips and sort of piece together in your head the order they're going to fall in in the film and sort of how mm. things are going to play out. Do you guys think Rami Malik is going to be the main central villain in the film? Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. I might be because I might be going into like conspiracy theory territory. Um, but what's got me thinking is they keep showing us this clip of Christoph Waltz's Blofeld, and I can't mm. understand what I guess from a marketing point of view possibly, but why they would keep including that and keep showing us over and over again unless there's Linkage. unless there's more footage for him in the film perhaps. And I it's got no, me yeah. wondering <laughs> if um, Rami Malek might be a sort of front end we sort of lose him two thirds of the way into the film and then the final act of the film do we get some more Blofeld I think he's just I'm I'm guessing the scene with Blofeld is like a very pivotal moment in the film like a very like cornerstone and a big mm. moment in it and I think um, that's I'm guessing that's why they keep marketing it uh, maybe it's also them saying look I'm sorry guys we messed up with Blofeld we're trying to recorrect it here for you mm. Sean, I think that's a really good idea, except if we had done something like that in Spectre, it would have been revealed that uh, uh, the Waltz Blofeld was a fake and like some anonymous guy, maybe his assistant with the glasses was the real villain, Um, you know, and it was a fake out. Mm -hmm. But I think the way Eon approaches it, damn, we have to pay all these people a lot of money. We have to use them as much as possible. Mm. Uh, I, I mean, I just, there's something about the way Eon works 
I don't think they would ever do that. So there's a. But they also, the, but, they're also overemphasizing Paloma's role, which mm. there's no footage other than what we've seen yeah. and packed together. And that's yeah. because Ana de Armas is so popular. And Christoph Waltz, I mean, he's an award winning actor. I think they're going to emphasize and, and utilize it. But that pivots me, and I'm sort of pivoting here and trying to bring together like the conversation we had about voices, mm. this emphasis on Safin and the need for profit. And one of the things that I found so striking, specifically about the international trailer was I would call it the erasure of women in this trailer. This is a Mm. film that is going to feature Bond being insulated and supported by a lot of really strong women. And if you listen to the voices in the trailer, Mm -hmm. I think each woman maybe speaks one line and Nomi only says the word no. She mm. has literally been erased from this broader narrative that mm-hmm. is happening. There's only a, a line like, I've met your other double O. No conversation about the conflict between the two of them. So if this is an international trailer and if the goal is, oh gosh, we have to make as much money as possible. And oh no, there was a lot of controversy about Nomi being the, uh, the next 007 and we don't mm. want to you know, alienate audiences. I feel as though that portion, which is a huge portion, if you look at at that trailer too from a year ago, she plays a more pivotal role. Mm -hmm. She talks about like millions are going to die. You tell me that and I'm invested, right? Mm -hmm. You could have easily popped it in and I feel as though she was pulled away. And even though this trailer is talking a lot about Madeline Swan. Madeline Swan's not talking a lot. It's a whole bunch. Again, Bond can talk, sure, but there's a lot there but with Blofeld. There's a lot there with Safin. There's a lot there from Felix Leiter. There's a whole bunch of men talking in this trailer. And for me, as somebody who's interested and excited to see the women of the film, I feel as though both trailers um, didn't meet the mark in showing and showcasing the women and their roles beyond asking like a random question. Mm. And so I feel as though like there's a lot of witty lines that I've seen in previous mm-hmm. trailers that could have been included that would have gotten me more excited. And the, the the major person that I saw in these trailers is Paloma fighting. Mm. Right? There's also- no action with Nomi. Oh. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't know what Money Penny's doing. Like it just, I don't know. For me, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's things about this that that this trailer that I like. I can talk about the elemental till we're blue in the face about like water and earth and their conflict mm-hmm. and how they represent both the villain and James Bond and the use of fire and air. And I will write papers galore about that. <laughs> so there's things about this that I really, really like. But this is that. just something that <laughs> this is just something that really just struck me because my excitement for the other trailers had to do with the women in it. Sure. And and the, even the conversations we've had on this podcast about saying, I'm different than the women that came behind before me. Yeah. And if this is like what the, what the franchise is pushing, like our women are great. And, and I just, well, I don't know. It's nice to hear women talk in a trailer. <laughs> well, two and, and, a half minutes. And, and to follow up on what you just said in previous trailers, you had that one scene where Nomi is confronting Bond or they're mm. confronting each other and uh-huh. she says stay in your lane or I'll shoot you in shoot yeah. you in your knee pause the one, one that works <laughs> and that wasn't that wasn't in either of these trailers sure. I don't believe I was gonna just say that exact same same thing Bill I think it's a great sassy line and it shows you that she's a strong confident woman mm-hmm. and it, you know it, and it's humorous as well I didn't think there was I mean apart from Wish Ben Wishaw's line at the end, um, you know, of the trailer. There isn't there isn't a lot of humor in there, and I think that 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 the um, the interplay and the dichotomy between you know um, Bond and Nomi's character is going to be 
where you're going to get this interesting dynamic fri friction mm -hmm. and it's going to generate some kind of there's going to be some humor in there and i think it was similarly the way that they they pitted bond against money penny in skyfall you know where they had that that kind of little frisson going right um well, and i i just feel like that that's not anywhere in this trailer no this is a trailer made for the people that have already seen those trailers is is my feeling mm -hmm. uh and as, mm -hmm. as ben mentioned when when these folks make the trailers they get a brief and so I could easily imagine that the brief on those earlier trailers is introduce the world to Nomi, show show me mm -hmm. a little bit of her. But the brief here is you guys need to show up for Daniel Craig's last Bond movie. That's very much yeah. the mission of this yeah. trailer. Um, but I will say it's a kind of blink and you miss it. But Nomi gets a pretty badass Batman breaking breaking through a skylight and then going back up through the skylight. Jinx, Jinx, Jinx did that already. Well, <laughs> listen. Um, so. Yeah, but she she's not the focus of the trailer, I think, and that's that's a uh, just a part of the, the overall mission of this thing, mm -hmm. trying to like drum up interest in the, the last ride, so to speak. What mm -hmm. film is Jinx in again, James? Uh, yeah, we don't mention it. Do we? Uh, <laughs> but I like what you say, Lisa, about like we've seen all the Paloma. I mean, let's be honest. Anna de Armas drinks from a diet cherry coke bottle, um, unfurls a tuxedo, kicks somebody in the face. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's gonna. She's. I mean, you know, it's understandable because she wasn't necessarily the, um, you know, the international star that she is now when they made this. And you know, I know that why they're leaning so heavily into that thing. But like, really, she's. I mean, from from what I gather, she's only going to be in it momentarily. Yeah, five minutes. But to, yeah, to go back top. to the the Christoph Waltz thing for a second, um, there's a podcast that I'm on that that talks about Michael Mann's films and. Uh, and the, we got on a sidebar about Bond, and, and the host of that podcast called the Bond franchise a sponge. And we've talked about it. You know, Live and Let Die is a black exploitation movie. Man with the Golden Guns is a kung fu movie. The, mm -hmm. the, the moment that they keep showing in, in the trailers of Blofeld, it's Hannibal Lecter. It's a, it's, mm. And specifically, mm -hmm. like the Hannibal Lecter of Michael Mann's Manhunter, where he shows up mm. in the middle, and, and he's not a crucial part of it. But I, mm. I think that that's... To go back to Sean's question, I think to have him have a bigger part, A, I don't think Eon could have resisted showing something by now. I don't think they're, they're hiding giant set pieces from us at this point, is my mm -hmm. guess. Mm. Um, uh, but I think that they're trying to make it this little, you know, uh, little showcase moment. He, I, I would be surprised if he has more than one scene. The thing, that's, the thing that shocked me was that they show Bond blowing up the base yeah. at the end of the international trailer, which is... Um... <laughs> Bit of, a, bit of a giveaway. <laughs> bit of a giveaway. And they, they always keep the very, you know, the last action sequence free from the publicity materials. Yeah. I, mean, um, I mean, we've been working with their press room for 20 years, and I can tell you, you never get stills from the finale yeah. until the film's out. And here we are with, like, it's in the trailer. Yeah. So I, I don't know if they're just ripping up the rule book for this one now. What else can you do to, to make really three sets of trailers? <laughs> yeah. Well, Wasn't Christoph Waltz only like on set for like two days? I, some, I gonna, for some reason, I was I just, about to say it was he was spotted in Pinewood for like a week. Yeah, so. like he, it was a very short window because I remember being like, "Oh gosh, he's in this film. What are you doing to me?" That sort of thing. But I remember that moment was really quick, yeah. <laughs> and then like he was gone, and I was like, "Okay." So I just I just never got the sense that unless there was like a secret location that they were hiding him to like film, I just I figured it was a very short component and i feel as though it's probably just what we've seen with maybe like 
a couple other shots of like people walking down hallways and he's looking. But I just, I didn't think it was more significant. I think it's unfortunate that coming back to Phil's point about being a sponge, right, of things that you can soak up. Yes, they've soaked up certain kind of cultural touchstones, but they've definitely soaked up the Austin Powers relationship with Dr. (laughs) Evil and Austin Powers, right? Oh, hell yes. By, by By doing Spectre. And now we've got this almost identical we're not so different you and i scene <laughs> right and it's almost like the same like you know it just it just you uh, wait for mini blowfeld to do your song about it's a hard not life yeah <laughs> and i'm just like why did you do why did you do that i mean obviously you know there are but there are plenty of ways that you can do an interaction between you know differently or you know and maybe they're just trying to trying to to tie into kind of what psych, uh, subconsciously we know are these kind of tropes for um, yeah. you know meetings and that's what but, that's what like, makes me struggle with the the doctor no comparisons because are people like say seeing like clues that he's doctor no or are people just seeing recycled bond villain tropes do you know what i mean i, I feel yeah. like it's it's anyway, i think we're, we're wandering wildly off tangent um sorry so i want to pull this no it's all good um that wouldn't be our podcast if we didn't go down some dinner um yeah. I want to bring this back uh, no, to the international. I mean, um, there's there's many different ways to look at it. Um, you know, um, I mean, I, I want to go back to uh, Lisa here. I mean, I'm really excited about you know the females um, characters in this you know new movie. Um, the Sana Lynch's character, especially if she is the new double which I think would be a really really cool, interesting idea to go down and explore. Mm-hmm. Um, she's I would say for the moment I saw the first trailer, it's like this is going to be one hell of an amazing um, Bond uh, Bond woman. Um, and I feel really cool. I hope, um, I think um, Anna Darmus' character will get like one of those big memorable scenes, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to Lasana Lynch's character, certainly from the trailers I've seen. And I say, she wasn't really given much, well, she was given nothing basically mm-hmm. for this trailer, apart from one cool little scene. Um, but I think that'll be really, really exciting. I'm really excited for that. Mm. Was, was there anything else in the international trailers that grabbed you guys that wasn't in the US one? Um, I had, there was one thing at the start that I think goes back to that um, question you asked at the beginning about which trailer got you more excited. I think the international trailer did that right in the get-go where they put the wait is over at the very start. It's kind of like, yes, that's a good way to hook me. The wait is over. I'm ready. Kind of thing. <laughs> Until they delay it again. Until they, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I was just going to say, I think the international trailer is better a Bond fan, I think the uh, U.S. trailer is better for like the general audience. Um, and I was also yeah. maybe um, have we talked about music in the trailers? Um, I don't know if it was the same in both trailers. I can't particularly remember, but I know in the international trailer that sort of um, Majesty's theme motif mm. was sort of creeping back in there that we had that was in the Spectre trailers. Um, so it's interesting to hear that coming back again. Probably the same movie trailer house. Mm. That's my biggest disappointment with Spectre was that wasn't in the film. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Uh, you know, of, of the long litany of, litany of disappointments. Wrong with it. I think that was my big one. Um, yeah, I think um, I, I was upset that there wasn't a slide whistle for the explosion <laughs> of Blofeld's face. <laughs> <laughs> that. Or just a. You know, that would have been really good. 
I think there's an overarching issue though. And the Craig era, I mean, I've theorized that the first three films are revisionist. You know, the next films are, the next film is reversionist. But regardless of whether or not you're remaking the past or you're reverting back to the past, you're still firmly rooted in the past. And that to me has defined the Daniel Craig era trying to remake and update and renovate things that have come beforehand. And in some ways, there are moments where you're like, ooh, this is really cool. We're getting an origin story for a martini. But in many ways, I feel as though this has been incredibly played out. So for me, if we're going to go and we're going to follow this Blofeld thing, I mean, let's just go and dig it into the ground. Because when it comes to the next phase of Bond films, I would like Bond films to be forward-looking. I don't want them to keep doing the same thing of trying to remake the previous success. I really think what the franchise needs to do is pivot and look forward and start building out again and start leading with different ideas, different trends, different tones. So for me, I see this as being like a positive silver lining Mm -hmm. of all of this. I mean, if we're going to do this, we're going to use all these references. Let's throw everything in the kitchen sink. I'm not saying a la uh, die another day. (laughs) We're like, Mm -hmm. everything was in that film. But Mm -hmm. I feel as though like this is going to be a film that's peppered because this has been this this backwards style. (laughs) It's been Sheriff Peppered. Can we just throw some dirt onto the top of the DB5 and call it now? Yeah. (laughs) What are you saying? This is let's just get this out of our system. That's and, exactly and, and, it. Let's get it out. Let's let's if we're gonna put an Aston Martin, let's do it. Let's blow that baby up again. Like let's, no, let's just put four fucking Aston Martins. Just <laughs> <laughs> blow them everything up. <laughs> well, you know, the, the the there was one attempt. This was on the literary front with Jeffrey Deaver's, like you know, uh, Ian Fleming publications yeah. oh. were starting over, right? And it's like, yeah, and then it's like we've hired this high priced novelist, and he's gonna like to write the first novel, but everything's gonna be built upon that and then it was like after that novel came yeah, out well we talked to him about that bill at length yeah. and his his brief was to reset everything for the modern era new mm. queue new you know every, get everything re- reset for a series of novels and if you think eon are bad at <laughs> like lack of planning mm. i mean jesus ifp just kind of like i love it's almost guys, like they get but <laughs> I, they're great but it's almost like they get neuralized when yeah. the book comes out yeah no, they're, and it's they're, like, they're lovely just give people. the give the new guy a new brief. It's like, I think what people tend to forget, though, and this is this is true of Eon as it is for IFP, is is that you know these are these are probably like five or six people in a in an office. Yes. You know, it's not you know it's not some great sprawling thing. You know, um, you know it's not a huge organization. It is really just a few people, um, and it, it's very easy to kind of be. Um, yeah, critical of that when <laughs> you know when you when you keep thinking like yeah well they should be doing this and they should be doing that and uh, but just coming back to quickly what um lisa was saying um you couldn't obviously see me lisa but i was nodding my head very vigorously and my earphones nearly fell out um <laughs> I, I i i would agree i think it's uh, i i'm looking forward to this being not just a kind of an, an end of craig's era but perhaps a, an end of a bond era um kind of in in totality not like an end of the the franchise necessarily but certainly i i i agree i think since a certain point in history where bond was kind of leading the pack mm-hmm. and then it went what's what's successful around us and became that sponge that that phil was talking about earlier um it it's always kind of been looking looking 
around to the sides or backwards. It rarely has been looking forwards. And I think that there is a great opportunity now uh, at the end of Craig's era to start looking forward and to start making some big steps in that. This leans into both arguments and they're, they're kind of contradictory, but live and let die, right? Did lean into the sponge theory, right? That it was just looking around for, but it did make a conscious decision to say, this is a new era of Bond. We're going to change things up. We're not going to have the martinis. We're not going to have the Aston Martin, right? And it was just, it was a reboot with the periphery things, you know? Yeah. And maybe it's time for that because are they going to put five Aston Martins in the next one movie, right? Um, yeah, the, the, but, but this, this is the thing, James, isn't it? But every time they do this reboot, whether it's with Brosnan or Craig or, you know, Roger Moore, they, they start out with this, like, let's strip away all of these things, right, and just get back to basics. And, you know, we want to be Fleming and we want to be based on the character. We don't need all these gadgets and all that kind of stuff. And that lasts for a film, and they're usually pretty successful. But then they get into this kind of panic and they just kind of go by the by three films later, as Lisa says, you've got Die Another Day. And, you know, you've got everything being chucked at the at the wall and hoping something sticks. I think that's, yeah, the, the, that's the, the problem. The, 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 this is one of my criticisms about the um the uh, continuation novels in that with Ian Fleming, you, you actually learn very little about Bond over the course of 14 books. Um, you know, so, you, you know, you learn that he, he prefers black uh, silk knitted ties and he, that he wears moccasins, he doesn't like shoe laces. But it, it, all these things are spread throughout the books. And so you don't, you don't get it, you know, all in one hit. But when mm. in in all of the uh, continuation novels, in, in their first novels, they, they, they try and include everything that they just, it's almost to show, look, I know Bond, I, I, I know I, I've read all the books. <laughs> yeah. And so, so you get, oh, you know, the, the, Bond, the Bond adjusted t- his black knitted tie as he yeah, rolled his yeah, cigarettes, yeah, yeah, put yeah. on his mask <laughs> and walked past the tea and picked up some coffee. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, and, it's, <laughs> and it, it, it's just too much. It's too much. And, you know, right. it, I, it, I challenge it, you, David, then to write a paragraph in the style of a continuation author that wedges in everything we know about Bond from Fleming. I'll take yeah, that. I, 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 I actually thought about this doing exactly that at some point <laughs> hey Dave, well, well well real quick i i actually interviewed one of the continuation novel authors and i'm not going to say who it is it was in the late 1990s that's all the clue you need and he asked me he's like well what did you think about the ending and of his first story i said oh, it was a little much for me and he said well it's a it's a male fantasy okay um i mean it, in this author's case, I think his novels were better than his short mm. stories, but it <laughs> doesn't giving, matter. Not just, it, it, it away just, there, Bill. <laughs> I'm, I'm giving a ton away, but I'm like, I don't want to name no, names. It's like, it's like the end of Dragnet. It's the end of Dragnet. Like, who could it be? <laughs> who yeah. could it be? Um, but yeah, it's just, but here's the other thing about Bond is like, there are so many interpretations. It's like the only like pure interpretation is Ian Fleming, who's been dead since 1964. Mm. So it's like, oh, there you go. I would be, I, I would love to, to, to challenge 
David to a Fleming off, uh, like to write to <laughs> one write, paragraph, one for a Fleming story. off. This is a subject of another podcast where the two of you have your Fleming off, and then the rest of us judge. That's right. There we go. Yeah. We, we we just watch and laugh. I think um, yeah, a really there good was one. A, there was there was this um, app that Phil discovered a while ago. I think it was you, Phil, and like it was something like you can enter a piece of your writing and it will tell you what your most your um, closest yeah. author is. Do you remember? We, yeah. We, and I think it was me, you, and James were were, were right. throwing it around. And I got Ian Fleming three times. Right. <laughs> so, so no, but it was more that I was like, "Oh Christ, I'm derivative." <laughs> well, that's the point of the app. It, was, it wasn't saying you're a complete fucking original. It was going to give you one name or another. So you might as well get Fleming. I think I got Virginia yeah. Woolf or something. I tell you what, guys, I'd like to bring it back to the trailer again. Um, just <laughs> You're fitting in already, Henry. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I, just, I, I was just thinking of something, and uh, I, again, I, I mentioned this on my own show and stuff, but um, for me, all every single Bond actor, excluding George Lazenby, who obviously only did one, so it's his best and worst, but no Bond actor has really ended on, I think, a high right. note. You know, Diamonds, View to a Kill, even though I love View to a Kill. It wasn't exactly Roger Moore's best. Um, <gasps> I mean, I... I don't get me wrong. Mutual Kill is in my top. You do so in well, the top Henry. tier. <laughs> but you know, he he did beat Stallone to become the first expendable in that movie. Um, you know, Lighters <laughs> Kill. I prefer Living Daylights and Dino of Day over Golden Eye. I mean, come on. Um, I don't. So I don't really think Bonax has really ended always on like a great high note. I'm really hoping. I think these last two trailers have given me hope that Craig might finally break that. He might actually end on a high on a high note for me. What does everyone think about well, that? It, he could. He, all he has to do is not be worse than Spectre. And and then yeah. he's acquitted, right? So that's like, I think that's the bar. It'll be perceived as yeah. a high note as long as it's better than Spectre. What do you think his last line's going to be in the movie? Because we got Rogers. Ooh. Um, <laughs> and- no, it's very serious. His last line, his last line is lying in a coffin and he's like, oh. Very seriously, guys, this is how I answer the film will end. I have no inside information. Literally, I know absolutely nothing in about this and in life in general. Um I do believe the Sana Lynch's character I believe the Sana Lynch's character won't survive the film. Mm. I think Safin might kill her. And then there's a scene like with Bond and M at the end having a chat and stuff, and he she goes, Welcome back. 007, he walks off, bomb music plays, credits. Right. Gotcha. That could be a good call. That could work. That could that could definitely work. Yeah. I think I think a um more likely possibility is Bond and Madeline go off in the sunset and know me the new 007 waves goodbye. Mm. Yeah, but what's the last line like that? Everdeci. Say ya. Bye. Bye, Bond. (laughs) But they, just drove off to Italy. In, but they drove off into the sunrise already. Like, I feel like the, even that would be redundant. Like, let's drive mm. off again. It's another film well, to leave. <laughs> I think she's going to well, die. That's, that's fine. The, the, you know, the producers are thinking, eh, that was six years ago. Who will remember that? Mm. <laughs> at, least, at least because of this, you know, kind of enforced hiatus, it will make the Bond's been in retirement for all of this time kind of resonate a bit better right yeah i actually think it'll work you know we haven't seen him for so long and then we're gonna go oh where have you been oh what's been happening whilst you've been you know stuck in jamaica yeah. it, the, it, the last scene is bond goes back to his flat and he opens his mail and it's like alp yeah it's no he's just like he tries to open the door it's all this mail won't 
let him <laughs> but I think ben, like you're really on to something like there have been a lot of delays i actually feel as though this film is going to be the most timely from a plot to kill millions and millions of people even the title no time to die we're in the middle of a pandemic this mm. this notion that we've been waiting forever it's felt forever i feel like i've aged 20 years during this mm. pandemic right it's just been slow moving so this idea that bond has been waiting or he has been in retirement like i think all of these things actually factor into the believability that time has passed life has passed and that mm. this he's he's coming back in because we need him to save the world. I don't think that this type of a story could hit better if it mm. was not being released during this time. So I think when I think about the, the potential of this film and the legacy, will it top for me in my books, Casino Royale? Good luck. Mm. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I think Casino Royale is a brilliant film mm -hmm. on its own, but I really feel as though this is going to be an incredibly strong showing from the visuals I've mm. seen, the action that I've seen, and just the timeliness of the story. I think this is going to hit. Um, mm. And it, it's going to have a very specific hit because of the timeliness and all of the delays. So I think you're onto something about mm. the delays and, and our experience as audiences. Yeah. I think that's right. I, 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 I know you're kind of agreeing with me and I'm kind of agreeing with you agreeing with me. So that's kind of a weird thing, but um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, I do, th I do think it has that. It will have a more personal connection to, for us, I think, because of that. We have missed Bond. We will be getting him back only to say goodbye to him, I suppose, you know, in some way at the end. Um, I think, you, you know, it, I, I have high hopes for the, for not just, um, you know, uh, based on the trailers, but, um, you know, just, but, but also on the whole kind of world geopolitical events as well. I think it's gonna, it, it's gonna fit the zeitgeist in the same way that, um, it, you know, Skyfall did, uh, back in 2012, when it kind of was like matching the, the, you know, the feel of the energy of, of, of Britain at that time. This is probably God, what happened look... afterwards, though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but then, you, but then you've got this. You, you know what we're experiencing now is not necessarily that kind of like um, British pride that was all going on then. If this is more like a global uh, recognition of uh, things are bad, and you know uh, the world stage is is actually, um, you know, we're, we're looking at our our governments, our politicians very differently. We're looking at our social um, interactions very differently. And I feel like that this, this film will have some resonance because of that. Excellent. Um, I, I just wanted to end on this hypothetical and see what you all think about it. What if the film ends with an indeterminate fate of Bond? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and it's not, he doesn't have a last line and it's not clear whether he makes it. How would you feel about that? Good ending. Mm. I, I think it. I oh, you mean like you only live twice the novel? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I think if they did that, and, um, and, uh, and, and Madeline is pregnant, and he comes like back as he was Cavill, at the brilliant. end of the novel. So we're Not gonna, necessarily. So like a reverse Jason Bourne. You know, we kind of like he gets hit on the head and he's um, he loses his memory of being Bond and he just lives on uh, Safin's Island. <laughs> Yeah. Cut to five years later in the next film, he's like trimming the bonsai trees. Yeah, <laughs> which is not crab key. <laughs> <laughs>
But do you think audiences would accept that if this is the big build up to the big send off, no. and the big send off, and the big send off ends with a, well, did he make it out or not? We don't know. Because they're planning, like, let's be honest. I mean, we ended off Spectre with this this feeling that this was the ending. Daniel Craig wasn't happy with it. Lots of us weren't happy with Mm. it. I think there's this expectation that they're going to do something to close it out and leaving it up in the air and undetermined. I don't know if Daniel Craig would have bought into that because he has made it clear again that he doesn't plan on coming back, even though Barbara Broccoli's probably in denial about that fact. But mm. I just don't know if he if 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 he would have been cool with leaving it up in the air. Like, is he gonna die? Because we all know that there's <laughs> gonna have to be a pivot forward to somebody else. And it'll be strange if then you cut back in and it's a totally different actor being like, I survived. <laughs> you know? <laughs> My I don't know face if we would have to be completely it. reconstructed. <laughs> <laughs> it's face off too. Like <laughs> I'm saying it again, Henry Cavill. Oh are you? Are you? Nope. What? It's just. It's just trolling me, Evan. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in. I think. I think it ends with him. Going I've got back. other people. I think it'll be great. Don't worry. He goes back to Jamaica and he goes. Oh, thank God that's over with. And then Nick Fury comes out. <laughs> and he says, Motherfucker, I want to make you a job offer. New acquisition right here. <laughs> That's so good. Oh my god. I don't know why, but in my head I'm just imagining Bond and the Incredible Hulk together now. Yeah. It's a glorious <laughs> thing. <laughs> and then, right. and then they'll go like, but which one which one is the real Hulk? Puny spy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to end with a question I started with at the beginning, which is, are you back to your October 2020 peak uh, buzz? I never left. Since we... With these <laughs> 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 You <laughs> What he said. Jeez, that was good. Now, because of that, I'm going to spend my whole life coming up with a plan, going to build up an entire evil organization just to take you down. (laughs) (laughs) You thought it was all about the tea, didn't you, Mr. (laughs) Nobile? I am the strainer of all your pain. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, I'm not as buzzed, I'll be honest with you, because, and I'll tell you, why i think over this period of time um my and and, you know with the cultural and social shifts i i think my relationship with bond has changed and how how i view the franchise has changed um that doesn't mean that i'm not excited to see this film i absolutely am and perhaps in a different way than i was um back in you know april of whenever um and yeah, I, I think um, although although I am energized now by these trailers, um, and I think they've they've been successful in in, in reinvigorating that kind of that, that interest and energy. Um, I think my relationship to Bond has sort of really forever changed in this last year, and it's something I'm actually kind of pleased about. Because I think it, you know, it's interesting as a fan to have of 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 a franchise to have some growth around it or some change around it. Mm. So yeah, that's my response. Who wants to follow that? 
I mean, I can follow that. Um, I wouldn't say that my relationship with Bond has changed, but I've changed a lot in the last year and a half. And uh, I'm not an optimist. I'm not a pessimist. I'm a realist. And for me, I can make the best decisions based on the information that I have. And I'm also somebody who is doing my best living in you know, the wild west of COVID <laughs> in Oklahoma. Google us. <laughs> See how terribly we are doing. Um, there's just a lot going on in terms of the world around me. And so I've always been very careful and cautious about getting my hopes up because I don't really have the emotional reserves to handle the disappointment of something not coming through, right? For me, I study James Bond for a living, which is a great thing to do. I'm constantly engaged with the franchise and with the fandom. But I'm just not in a place where I am willing to get my hopes up only to have them be dashed. But that's me guarding and preserving my mental health in this moment. If it comes out, will I see it? I would love to see the movie and love to talk about the movie and hear everybody's thoughts and be invigorated intellectually because I have book projects that are waiting for this thing to come out <laughs> so that we can move forward. And, and I know that the moment I see it, I'm going to start thinking about it, which is why I didn't even watch the trailers till today, right? Like I wanted to be in a space where I knew that I could engage with them fully away from my other work and just like dig in. So I don't know necessarily how I feel. I've talked to a variety of different fans and 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 uh, keep players within like the Bond fan community. And there's just a, there's a bunch of us who are like we don't know how to feel. We don't want to be disappointed again. And so we're just I think calibrating our expectations because we're not really sure. 37 days out, 36, wherever we are, um, what is what is going to happen? And and I think I'm just careful and cautious. Will I enjoy this film? I really hope so. Do I want this film to be good? Absolutely. Do I want the women in this film to be good? Absolutely. I want to be excited and, and energized by it. Will it happen? I'm not sure. So I'm just sort of keeping my expectations just just here. If it happens, awesome. If it doesn't, um, I'm just not going to put myself in a position where that will you know, impact me negatively in, in an emotional state. Lisa, I think you put it right on the I think you hit the nail sort of right on it. I think still to this day, I think all of us like, we know it's meant to be coming out in September, well, September 30th for myself. We just still don't really quite believe it. I don't think any of us really still quite 100% believe mm -hmm. it is definitely coming out. I can give you a list of how many out. people who really believe it. <laughs> I met them all on Twitter yesterday. <laughs> um, can I take a go? <laughs> uh -huh. uh, I was just going to say, um, I followed this film more closely than most people should and because uh, it's not it's you not only one, for the spy command blog it's also for the bond 25 timeline and like i'm kind of mentally exhausted and so i i'm kind of separated from the average fan as a result um i'm i'm ready for it to come out and i want to see it but also because of covid my wife um she said, uh, she's not crazy about me trying to see it in the theater on uh, the weekend of October 8th. And, uh, you know, that's something I have to deal with. Um, she said to me, I mean, we've only had a brief conversation. She said, um, how did she phrase it? I don't want you to see it, but I know it's your thing. Um, 
and I haven't worked that out. The problem yet. you got, Bill, is the runtime. The problem you've got is the runtime because it's three hours, and you know, by the time you get seated, so you can't say you're popping out to right. the store. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's a long yeah. trip <laughs> past state it, it, lines. Well, yeah. So <laughs> unless unless the store is IKEA. Yeah. So I mean. We'll see. I well, mean, it's just, it's been a long trek for me because with the Bond 25 yeah. timeline, I started doing it in early 2018. I went back and, uh, you know, went through stuff I'd put on the blog and it's just like, and then I made the mistake, well, not mistake. Uh, I started promoting it and then it be it, it started its own following the Bond 25 timeline did. And it's like, you know, I I had no idea it would go on this long. Just no idea. Mm-hmm. So my my wife's been investigating some stuff, and I'm just going to put this out there: that's uh, one or two of the chains, the theater chains in America, will rent you a new release screening uh, in an entire theater to yourself for about three hundred dollars. Right. You get six people. <laughs> you're you're all kind of a little bit overpaying for a movie, but you're you're controlling your environment. I think in a way that. Uh, uh, I'm going to say it's worth looking into. You're you're insured. You're spaced out at the very least. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Ignoring safety protocols and COVID bill, I would pay that to go and see it without somebody checking their phones and talking. I I might just do it going forward. Yeah. Cure cure COVID tomorrow. I might still do that. (laughs) (laughs) In style, watching it in style. Come on. We should all. (laughs) We should all go. No, I, 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 w- I was actually uh, thinking about approaching uh, some of the cinemas around here. I, I, we don't have any cinemas really close to us, but uh, um, but I, I was thinking about contacting a couple of them and finding out if there are any possibilities of doing that because uh, I don't want to go to a, a crowded cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, the you know here in Spain you have to mask up indoors, so there is that. But uh, I, I'm not going to be happy. Uh, sitting in a in a theater with you know 400 people or whatever it is it's yeah that, do you have to wear I, your mask in the theater how do you eat popcorn yes uh, <laughs> like, well they'll let you take uh, it off guess, you're eating it's it's sort of a nonsense scenario yeah. honestly same on planes yeah so you know and uh i i, I mean t- talking about talking about excitement levels i have none at the moment uh I, i'm just i'm totally exhausted by the pandemic i'm exhausted about you know just uh obsessing about bond through throughout the pandemic and i i I just i've i've had a i i've just kind of i can't i cannot get any enthusiasm for the film at the moment and uh, i i do hope that changes and it and it may be a kind Mm of uh self-protection uh like lisa was was talking about that uh you know, I, I don't, I don't want to get up my hopes uh, as well. Well, so, here's here's something uh, else to think about. At least in the U.S., um, a lot of movies that have come out during the pandemic have had enormous fall offs in the second weekend. So, like, if you go for that, uh, you know, maybe you do the renting the uh, theater thing, or maybe you just go for a regular showing on the second weekend instead of the first weekend. I don't know, but that's that's out there. Mm. Or oh, Tuesday, oh, yeah. who goes to yeah. Yeah. Tuesday. Tuesday at noon. Sean, how are you feeling about it? Are you back to October last year levels of uh, goosebumps? Um, 
Um, in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. Um, it, the trailer. Um, it. I. Th- I. Th- I don't. I don't take a lot of what I think a lot of the same things that a lot of people take from these things. I'm not particularly like big on stories in films and stuff like that. Um, my big takeaway is it. It still looks very pretty. It still sounds very pretty. Um, there's lots of lovely color going off in the trailer, so I'm kind of excited to see it as an experience. Um, I guess we'll see. Just hope it were good. That's a pretty mixed bag. Um, it's pretty much um, online. Looking at the fan communities, there are a significant number of people who are like, "I'm, I'm over it. I'll see it when it's out on Blu-ray." <laughs> and I, I doubt the authenticity of those claims. I think there'll be a lot of people who say that now, but they'll rock up to the theater yeah. on day one. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, James, you, ha- you you haven't said how what you you feel about it. <sighs> <laughs> Well, having being someone who looks at this stuff all day, every day, um, I don't feel any differently now than I did six months ago, one year ago, 18 months ago, two years ago, because <laughs> the unpredictability of the PR machine has just been, usually is 30 days, and we're, we've been doing it for two years now. So mm-hmm. part of me is looking forward to being on the other side of this. Mm. Like we've we've got it on the shelf <laughs> we've all enjoyed it and we can talk about it that's where i want yeah, to be yeah right I, I i am looking forward to talking about the film once we've seen it and hopefully mm-hmm. hopefully with lots of positive things to say about it but uh, i think this might be the the first bond film and all the stuff we've covered in 20 years where we've, we we will have discussed it more pre-seeing it than well, seeing it and i just want to yep. add there are a lot of things to be intrigued about we've seen images we've seen tidbits mm-hmm. And like, yeah, I, I, I will also be glad when we can all talk about and this shared experience. I'll leave you with this. Craig said in a, Craig said in a recent interview that he saw the new trailers and he was like, oh, they haven't put that in yet. Oh, there's some good stuff that you guys haven't seen yet. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Okay. So maybe, maybe they are keeping a couple of things back. I hope so. I don't want to know everything on, in a trailer. I, I hate that. When I can mm. watch a trailer and I'm like, well, I don't need to see the movie now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still think we haven't really learned that much about the film in general. We've just got little tidbits. I don't think we've actually learned that much about it yet. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely been people who've uh, re-edited the trailers to kind of put a put a narrative and a uh, across. Um, and I think that there are things to be mined um, from those trailers if you wanted to really look and and, and try and piece something together. Um, but at that, by that same token, I think it, it's still enough of just appetite wetting. I don't think we've seen everything, uh, and I'm sure that when the film does come out, there'll be some exciting reveals. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Um, maybe this is the last time we talk about it before it comes out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Who knows? Um, thank you, David. To spoil. <laughs> Thank you, David, Bill, Henry, Ben, Sean, Phil, and Dr. Lisa. And we'll catch you on the next Bye. one. Yep. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye. 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 You're a stranger in a warm bed. Let me tell you when to leave. Wrap around me like the ocean. Then I wake up cause I just can't breathe Too many demons to overcome Now here I am
when Mother Nature holds her breath. I tell myself, don't ever leave. Are you calling me for my last step? Don't you tell me heaven or hell. This is no time to die. Don't you tell me heaven or 